0: I just want to tell you guys, it is so exciting to be a part of a church that has been so released in the area of giving. Um, last week we had the missionaries that are going to the um, closed country uh, in the Middle East. And um, I know some of you are supporting them individually, but also we did a one-time offering. And we are able to write a check to them for $2,800 to help them. So just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I also have um, kind of a cool thing uh, back here. Um, we have a new table that we bought some Bibles uh, for you guys. So if you need a Bible during the service, you just come back to this table. You'd grab one of these if you need uh, to do sermon notes. Um, if, the, if something that strikes you, you can take a piece of paper and a pen. And then also we have uh, life journals for sale. So that's going to be back here every week just to kind of get us in the habit of putting our Bibles in our hands. I know for me, um, with my phone, it kind of just gets... um, Yeah, go ahead. Fully funded. Praise the Lord. Amen. I think, I think that really encouraged his faith, too. Like you could tell that he was pretty excited about that thing. And, and the neat thing about that was I saw him, how he was praising God. He, like, his response to all of it was to really give God the glory, which I think is incredible. So, yeah, we just want to try to get the Bible into your hands uh, with the table and whatnot. Um, I use a smartphone a lot, right, or iPad for my Bible. I use a computer. I think that's fine. Like, I'm totally for that. I probably read the Bible more than I ever have just because it's now in my hand. But also there's just an opportunity to flip through the pages, to fill the pages, to kind of see where it is and the context of it all. So uh, anytime you need to take one of those, just um, grab one and, uh, and, and you can just borrow it. I mean, you can put it back there. But you know us. I mean, if you really needed a Bible, just take one and that's fine too. So deal? <laughs> all right. So anyone know what book are we in right now? Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, flip them to Philippians. Um, we're going to be in chapter three. I really enjoyed our last time through chapter three. Um, man, it just was wonderful. I also encourage you, we, we have the services online now. You can watch the video during the service or you can watch uh, or listen to the audio during the week. But um, if you ever need to go back to any of these, please do. All right, everyone to chapter 3, Philippians. Now, those first 14 verses are just really rich. I, I, there's a deeper thing for me. And Paul really kind of gets going and he just dives into it. Remember, if the, beginning, the beginning verses were about us rejoicing in the Lord. Remember, I talked a, lot, a long time about rejoicing in the Lord. And then he talks about how we're to put our confidence in Christ, right? That we're supposed to boast in Christ, not... In ourselves but in Christ and he, he says this statement he goes I want to know Christ right he has this passion to know the Lord and, and his passion is so great that he says I now compare everything a loss compared to knowing Christ right and then he says in fact I forget what is behind right I'm straining forward he presses on we, and I, again it was just such an amazing time for me and, and that passage really Encouraged my faith, got me kind of excited. And and if you read verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Pressing on, forgetting what's behind, moving ahead, straining for what's ahead. Remember, I talked about just staying focused on Jesus, laser focused on Jesus. You know, all the things come at you. They're trying to, you know, get you to the left, get you to the right, distract you. But you just stay on Jesus, running the course, running the race knowing that you're becoming more like Jesus every day and you have this great reward of being like Jesus and even being with Jesus for all eternity. Just this amazing, amazing passage. So that's what we looked at. This week though, Philippians chapter 3, and let's start with verse 15. All of us, everyone say all of us. All of us. Then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up, to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Three things from there, if you're taking notes that I want you to write down. All of us should take such a view of things. Number two, it says, follow my example... Paul says, follow my example. And then number three, he says, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So follow my example and you say, follow others' examples. So he's saying all those things. this This is where it gets pretty awesome and intense today. All of those things, Paul says, all those things that I'm doing. Things that we talked about last week. This boast in Christ, this leaving everything behind, this moving forward in Christ, this running the race, fixated on Jesus, pressing on. He says, All those things you should do too. Follow my example, he says. He says, I am a model. Others around you are a model. Learn from people like this, imitate people like this. And I love this because. Instead of the passage we read last week, verses 7 through 14, just being like this really special life for really special people like Paul. Paul says, no, this list it's for everybody. This life, it's for everybody. We should all have the same viewpoint, the same attitude towards living for Jesus. And this is important because in this previous section, Paul, he makes a bunch of personal statements. I statements, you'd call them. They just kind of make Paul look like this Christian superhero amazing guy, right? I mean, he wears a cape. That's how amazing he is. I mean, just look at, listen to 7 through 14. I'm going to read 7 through 14. Somebody for me needs to keep track of how many times he uses the word I. Listen to this. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward and Christ Jesus. So how many times did he say I? Eleven. Eleven. So it's pretty clear. This is Paul saying, this is what I do. I, Paul, this is what I do. And so at this point, you could kind of be like, well, that's great, Paul, but we're off the hook, right? We're off the hook from doing this because this is just some special task for a special person like Paul. Paul, you're just doing great. You're such a special person, right? Look how special Paul is. But what do we do? We put Paul up on this pedestal. I've gotten stuck in this mindset so often in my life where I just kind of put Paul or the disciples or any of the other heroes from the Bible. And I just put them in this unreachable, unattainable position. Right. So Paul writes something and, and I'll see him doing something in the Bible for Christ. But I'm just kind of like, well, of course, Paul did it. Right. Because it's Paul. Verses seven through 14, they can give you an impression. There he goes again. Right. Jesus freaked Paul. Paul doing these amazing things for God. And then we kind of put in this little asterisk. But maybe someday I could be like Paul. You ever do that, right? Well, maybe someday, maybe someday. But he's not done after verse 14, is he? He says, hey, brothers, sisters in Christ, children of God, family of God, come close, listen. Listen. Yes, I'm putting my boast in Jesus. Yes, I'm giving up everything for the sake of knowing Christ. Yes, I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm straining toward what is ahead. Yes, I'm pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. But guess what? Verse 15. You should too. All of us. All of us. Who are mature should take such a view of things. So is this a Paul thing? No. No. Is this just for crazy radicals or pastors or church leaders? No. Yeah. If you're mature in Christ, Paul declares his view should be your view. It's like Paul saying, I'm running my race. I'm running my race. I am fixated on Jesus. And I expect every one of you who are mature in Christ to run your race as well. It reminds me of what he says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. This is Paul again. He says, Be imitators of me, ...as I am of Christ. To see what I'm doing? See how I'm living for Jesus? You should too. 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. He's inviting us into the same journey of faith that he is on. He says, don't worship me, but it's okay to learn from me. Right? Don't put me up on a pedestal and make me an idol, but it's okay to be influenced by me. My life of faith is a model that you can follow. Other New Testament leaders write similar ideas. In the book of Hebrews, the writer, he writes, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and what? And imitate their faith. I just think about the long list of spiritual leaders in my life. You have a list as well, right? That long list of spiritual leaders who are passionate about Jesus. And I consider their life. And as I consider their life, you know what happens? I don't know if this happens to you, this happens to me. Just this burning desire Grows within me. I want what you have. Anyone else have that? When you think about the spiritual leaders, and just like, I am. It just rages within. I want what you have. First Peter five three. He says, Christian leaders, I love this. He's like, Christian leaders, stop domineering over those in your charge. Right? Stop beating the sheep. But instead, what? Be examples to the flock. Examples, examples of what it looks like to follow hard after God. So when you and I, we look at these spiritual leaders and some of these giants of the faith, they're not to be put on a pedestal as like this unreachable goal. No, church, they are a model. They are an example for us to follow. So I want you to consider like the people in your life. How do you view them in your own life? Maybe it's a man or woman that you read about in the Bible. Maybe it's someone that has great influence on you or or this great uh, spiritual leader. Maybe they're at your work. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's at school. Maybe they're in your family. How do you view them? How do you view them? Because if you are around someone who's following hard after Jesus and running that race of faith, I I want to free you up today. It is actually okay to learn from them. (laughs) We're so individualistic in our society, right? And prideful. But it is okay to learn from them and even... Want to be like them. I'm not saying be them. I'm not just saying copy everything they do. But in areas of faith where you see what they have, it is okay to say, I want that. I want what you have. Teach me. It's okay. I give you permission today to say that. Because that kind of humility and that teachable spirit, I just feel it's sometimes lacking. ...in the church world. We struggle with pride. And it's a pride that says, I don't need anybody else. It's a pride that says, you know, I can do this on my own. But instead, the Bible is teaching us this morning... ...it is okay to actually learn from others... ...to be influenced by the faith of other men and women. But we struggle with this. You know, sometimes when we see others who are living for God... ...our reaction really isn't to learn from them, right? I I think about my own life. Sometimes we get jealous, right? Right? Come on, you know, you get jealous. That person that just like, everything is going right. Come on. Cynical. Right? So cynical. Towards, yeah, but what are they like at home? Or what are they like, you know, when they're stuck in traffic? Yeah, sure, it's easy to be, you know, a Christian up on stage. But, you know, we just love tearing down our spiritual leaders instead of learning from them, right? We all do this. Judgmental, right? We love judge others. When I'm at a conference, right? I'm at a conference and and the speaker comes up, I'm just judging them left and right. Like, whatever. Like, he thinks he has to wear that, you know, like skinny jeans. Like, wow, what a sell. You are a sell out right now. Selling out. Right. And this, when you tie this, now all of a sudden you're hip and cool. Right. Judging, 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 judging. But we struggle with this. And what happens when we do this And we all do it, but we we close ourselves off from learning from these Christian models that God has actually placed in our lives. And so we miss out on the opportunity to grow. And when we grow, who do we grow to become more like? Jesus. And we miss out on that opportunity. This is a huge deal, church. And I have to check my attitude and check my heart on a daily basis. Dan, are you teachable? Right? Be teachable, church. Jesus had 12 disciples. If you want to write this down, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner, a student. If you're a student, that means that you have a teacher. Jesus is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. We learn from Him. But how does He teach us? He teaches us by His Word. He teaches us by His Spirit. He teaches us through the body of Christ. He teaches us through others. So we have to be open to learning from people of the faith. The people that God has placed in our life. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do. But then it's like, what, Paul, why, why so much fuss? Like, you're kind of bold with all this and, you know, just, it, it seems like you're pretty intense with this whole issue. There's a lot of passion behind your words, Paul. What, what's going on? What's your concern? Well, Paul saw this in his day and we see this in our day. That there is a strong pull of sin, a strong pull of selfishness and pride that will get us off track from living for the Lord. 2,000 years ago, right up into today, people being drawn away from the Christian walk, drawn away from living that life of a disciple, of a learner, of a student. Uh, I mean, we all have seen it. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in others. Where our life gets shifted from bringing glory to God, from bringing pleasure to God, it gets shifted To where instead we're indulging in the sinful nature, living for ourselves, living for our own glory, living for our own pleasure. And Paul sees this. He recognizes it. And so in verse 18, he gives a very powerful statement. He says, for as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many, not just some, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you see why he's so passionate? And he says, because I've told you this before. I, I've told you this again and again and again and again. And today I'm telling you again with tears in my eyes that there are many, many who live their lives as enemies of the cross of Christ. They are hostile toward the message of the cross. And he's talking about the church community, by the way. He's talking about people in his community, in this church. There are many who are living as enemies of the cross. And as true as it was then, it's true in the church community today. And he goes on to say their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. I've thought about this. The the destiny is destruction. That verse, I I love that verse because I think about anytime I'm outside of Christ and and I think about those seasons, you know, before you really uh, submit your life to Christ. When you look back at your life, what do you look at? You look at rubble, don't you? You look at destruction. Anything that you have tried to build on your own outside of Jesus Christ, it is utter ruin. And he says, as an enemy of Christ, that's your life. That is your hope. That is your future. He says their God is their stomach. Their God is their stomach or their God is their belly. In other words, they only have this life, this passion for the temporary pleasures Of today, right? Of this moment, of now. They worship and they are enslaved to the gratification of the lust of the flesh. And for, for this person, their highest good would be to satisfy self, right? To do what pleases self. To worship the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, right? Direct rebellion to the word of God. Direct rebellion to the holiness of God. God is their stomach. And if we're honest, this is how we live all the time. Come on, we, we just do. There, there's such a draw, especially in American society and the way it works and how it runs. There is just we are applauded for consuming and for thinking about me, myself and I, my pleasure, my happiness, my wants, my desires. We do this, right? Our our concern. Our concern is eating. Our concern is drinking. Our concern is sex. Our concern is fulfilling any bodily appetite, consuming for our pleasure. Our pleasure rather than knowing Christ and being known by Christ. And that's why we need Paul to encourage us, right? That's why we need to read the Bible. That's why we need some mentors in our lives. That's why we need a model of what it looks like to be a Christian, Because when I get off track, when I start chasing the things of this world for my pleasure and my satisfaction, I need people like Paul to get me back on track. Right? Hallelujah. Thank you for the Word. Thank you for the Spirit. And thank you for community. Amen. Just this week, Friday morning, I wanted the donut more than you can imagine. And I knew I shouldn't be eating a donut. And so I wasn't going to eat a donut. But then I saw that we were out of milk. So I told my wife, I said, you know, we got, I got, well, I will go to the store and get some milk. You guys all know where this is heading. So, and that's a whole nother issue because I've been drinking way too much milk. If my wife was here right now, man, I'm just on a milk. Anyways, um, so I go into Safeway and you guys have all been to that Safeway. Instead of going just, you know, beeline straight to the back for the milk, guess which direction I turned? Left. Oh yeah. You know, (laughs) left. And I went by the you know, the chicken wings and went by oh, and the shrine of donuts, you know. There and it was early and so they're all just, you know I had my pick, you know, just whatever. Just, man, do I want this? Or... So what did I do? I walked out of there with some milk and a maple glazed cinnamon roll. I mean it just was incredible. Now, I'm not against donuts. By the grace of God, I will consume a lot of donuts in my life. Hallelujah. (laughs) But see, I knew, and I think you guys would understand this, I knew my craving and my passion for that donut, that it came from an unhealthy place. Do you know why I know it came from an unhealthy place? Because I snuck it. I hid it. I didn't tell my wife about it. You've done this before. I ate it before I got back home. (laughs) Threw the wrapper in the back seat, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Had to confess to her later about it Bef- before she found the wrapper. Ra- yes, I-, I initiated the confession. It was not an intervention. <laughs> but see, what made it wrong was the attitude of my heart. Right? And I, I think we, understand. we all have a heart and we kind of understand this. It's, it's the idea, if you're taking notes, to, to write this down. Who am I serving? Who am I serving? Is it God Or is it me? Again, not against donuts, but I just knew my concern at the time wasn't about God, wasn't about bringing God glory. It was about me. It was about serving me. And then I came home and and I wrote down the time that I read this verse because it was very powerful to me and the Lord continues to speak in ways that I keep on trying to journal because it's incredible. But I came home and at 1045 on that Friday morning, this is the verse that he had me read. Romans fourteen seventeen. This is Paul speaking to me. as a little mentor session. He says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. They, they glory in their shame. This is just the idea that they have pride in what they should be ashamed of. Right? These men, these enemies of the cross, they actually find great glory in and what should cause them great shame. And, and this is just really happening in a huge way in our, our world right now. People just taking great pride in things that should cause us the greatest shame and the greatest sorrow. But Paul's not done. He says, okay, that's what's going on. That's who's around you. These enemies of the cross. But don't be like that. Because our citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven. says so you and I, we're citizens of heaven. Write that down. Say, I am a citizen of heaven. This changes your thinking, your attitude, your heart, all those types of things. I'm a citizen of heaven. So we're to live like citizens of heaven. Live for things that are eternal instead of living for the things of this earth. Remember these people who Paul calls enemies of the cross. They're in the church. They're making a profession of knowing Christ. But they're not truly living for Christ, making a profession, but not living. So they sound like they're citizens of heaven, but they're not living like citizens of heaven. And so for Paul, if you profess to be a Christian, but you're just going around this earth living for earthly gain, living for worldly pleasures instead of the kingdom of God for Paul, he's not that impressed, is he? In fact, Paul would have a lot of warnings for you for Paul actions speak louder than words. Jesus says the same thing. If you look in Matthew 7, He talks about false prophets. He talks about these wolves in sheep's clothing. He says, you know how you can tell them? He says, you can tell them by their fruit or their deeds. Paul warns us in Titus 1.16. He says, there's a people who profess to know God, but by their deeds, by their actions, they deny Him, being detestable, being disobedient, and worthless for any good deed." Your actions matter, church. As citizens of God, your actions matter. You know why your actions matter? Your actions show the condition of your heart, don't they? (laughs) The outward, it flows from the inward. It shows who you really are serving. Am I serving God or am I serving myself? Now, as citizens of heaven, do we mess up? Do we mess up? Yes, we do. And if you say you don't mess up, then you mess up in being a Pharisee. (laughs) We all mess up. Just because we follow Christ doesn't mean we'll never sin again. We in fact we sin a lot more than we wish we did, right? But what's great about being a citizen of heaven? This is the power of being a citizen of heaven. Is when we sin, when we mess up, guess what? We are the first to repent. We're the first to say I'm sorry. We're the first to ask for forgiveness. We're the first to try to make it right. We're the first to try to fix things. We're the first. We are the first to jump in because we are citizens of heaven. So even when we trip it up, like, no, that is not who I am. And we move forward in the light, right? Because we walk in the light. We are citizens of heaven. So when you go into this week, when I go into my week this week, Guess what? We should probably be thinking about this. You might want to write that down on your steering wheel and just put it right there, right? Before you go into traffic, before you try to head into Redmond or Bellevue on on a weekday morning. Are you kidding me? you got to put that on the... Just like, I am a citizen of heaven. Because remember, as a citizen of heaven, guess what? Be like Paul. Imitate Paul. So your passion is to know Christ. To know Christ. Your passion is to forget what is behind and to strain forward, to go ahead, to press on towards the goal, to win the prize in Christ Jesus. And so it's important, to remember this, because it seems like, I just gotta be honest, I'm not a Debbie Downer hopefully, but it just seems like sin is having its way on this earth. And I'm a positive guy, but it's just like, wow. Wow. Sin is having its way and it feels like that you can now be a part of any sin that you could imagine or create or think of. I mean, anything you could imagine, it's possible in the world of sin. I mean, we we can just do anything now. But we are citizens of heaven. So we're not on this earth just to satisfy our earthly, fleshly desires right we're not here to just eat drink and be merry you know there's more to life than this right we understand that we have the deposit of the holy spirit guaranteeing us an amazing journey with god forever and ever this is not our home we're just passing through did you know that this world is not our home our citizenship is in heaven and as citizens of heaven there's this great commandment of heaven Right? There's this commandment that we just, we're passionate to live by. As citizens of heaven, we have this yearning within us, this desire to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And a passion to love others as ourselves. But some of us, if we're honest, and I, I think about this in my own life, sometimes we, we have an identity crisis. Right? Sometimes we forget who I am and forget whose I am. Right? We, we just... Kind of get off track. Again, getting off that narrow road. And, and let's just be honest. We, we do this sometimes. We, we forget that we're adopted sons and daughters. We forget that we have a king who rules the kingdom. And that we're in that kingdom. And the king is our father. That we're sons and daughters of the king. And we forget that and the things of this world, again, that are just so heavy and such a strong pull. We lose, right? We, we struggle. We, we, we forget our identity. And so then we go back to living for this world. We go back to serving ourselves. We go back to trying to satisfy the cravings of the flesh. It's an identity crisis. Living for me, myself, and I instead of bringing glory to God. If you're struggling with that this morning, I want to share this scripture with you. It's a very powerful scripture. It's Paul again. He's writing in Colossians 1.13. And he says that God... I want you to remember this. If you're a Christian this morning, remember this. God delivered you from the domain of darkness. And He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. What this means is that we were born again. Born again. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ... We were born again and now we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. At that very moment, God delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. If you're a Christian here who is struggling with your identity of Christ or your identity in Christ, I'm just telling you, you need this word. You need these scriptures. You need uh, the Spirit of God and you need the family of God to remind you of your new citizenship. Don't you need verses like that to remind you? No. I do not have to live this way. I have been, what? I have been delivered from the domain of darkness. No, I am now in the kingdom of God's own Son. I I don't need to raise the hands, but some of you needed to know that this morning, didn't you? With what you've been going through in your life. You have an identity crisis. And again, don't raise your hands, but you know what I'm talking about. And the Lord today, out of His love and His goodness, is saying, no, that's not who you are. You are a citizen of heaven. I got you. I love you. I've adopted you. I've brought you in. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. Now, uh, you're free to live how you're called to live. Just be free. Serve the kingdom. Live in the kingdom. Love others. Love God. Just love. Serve. Free. Free. I release you to be free. Some of you need that today. Be free. Be free. When you miss the mark, when you start living for lesser things, we need the Spirit to remind us of a better way. And some of us, we, we just hate the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're just like you, you, we have made Christianity to be such a dumbed-down, watered-down, fruity-tooty Disneyland version of what faith really is. There is a discipline of God. You know why He disciplines you? because he really loves you. And if you're playing with fire, you're going to get burned. I'm just tired of that. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes your heart is broken as you walk through things with God. But know that it's for your good, that He loves you, that He's going to refine you and define you and transform you and conform you into the image of His Son. But we have to be open to, the, to, to Him. And, and sometimes, by the way, and the reason why I'm even speaking this this morning like that, in that, in that way... Is because sometimes we need that encouragement to re- be reminded that when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you, that it's actually a good thing. You know why? Because He is your ruler now. You're in that kingdom. And if you're in that kingdom, guess what? You're subject to whose authority? His authority. And when he speaks, you don't just go, oh, maybe I'll listen to that or maybe I won't listen to that. Like you get to pick and choose which king you're going to serve each and every day. He, if he is your king, you bow down and you worship him and you receive whatever decree he, if he posts a decree on the wall, if he writes something on his scripture and you read it, you go, you are my king. I am your servant and that decree I will follow. Who is your master? Who are you going to serve? We are citizens of heaven. We are a strange and peculiar people. Not of this world. Citizens of heaven. And sometimes you need those around you. Sometimes you need an apostle Paul or a wife or a son or a co-worker to tell you what's going on. Right? From the word. I mean, if they're not mature in Christ, you know, whatever. But if it's coming from the word of God, that we would humble ourselves and listen. Listen. And then listen to this. It says we're, 2 Corinthians 5.20, you guys know this one, but it says we're ambassadors for Christ, representatives for the kingdom to this world, of his kingdom to this world. Ambassadors for Christ. Again, I just hope you leave this morning remembering who you are, whose you are. You're a citizen of heaven. And then verse 20, it says, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. When I read that this week, I was like, wow, do I eagerly await Jesus' return? That's a condition of the heart, isn't it? You know, I'm a citizen of heaven. And I just cannot wait for Jesus to come from there. Let it be said of this house that we eagerly await your return, Lord Jesus. Verse 22, but verse 21, by the power that enables him, Jesus... To bring everything under His control, He's going to transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. And that's the last scripture we're going to do this morning. And I I don't know about you, but when you read that, when I read that, there's some good news in the house this morning. Right? God is not only the Savior of your soul, He's also the Savior of your body. He will transform our lowly bodies. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down. He will transform my lowly body. The King James Version, some of you know it, the King James Version. Let's see, trivia, two points. He will change our, you know what it says? It says he will change our vile body. Another translation says Jesus will transform, listen to this, transform our body of humiliation. Again, lowly. But this is some good news. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, that, you know, your body is experiencing decay. It's falling apart. But here it is. There's good news. Jesus is going to transform that decaying, lowly, vile. Wow, thanks for encouraging us, Paul, right? Body of humiliation. It'll transform to be like, whose glorious body? Jesus' glorious body. Awesome. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. He says, Often we are wracked with pain, unable to think or worship. We feel that this indeed is the body of our humiliation. And when we're tempted by the passions which rise from the flesh, we do not think the word vile at all to be too vigorous a translation. Our bodies humble us, and that is about the best thing they do for us. Oh, that we were lowly because our bodies ally us with animals and even link us with the dust. But our Savior, the Lord Jesus, he shall change all this. We shall be fashioned like his own body of glory. This will take place in all who believe in Jesus. By faith, their souls have been transformed and their bodies will undergo such a renewal as shall fit them for their regenerated spirits. How soon this grand transformation will happen, we cannot tell. But the thought of it should help us. Listen, church, the thought of it should help us to bear the trials of today and all the woes of the flesh. In a little while we shall be as Jesus now is. No more aching brows, no more swollen limbs, no more dim eyes, no more fainting hearts. The old man shall be no more a bundle of infirmities, nor the sick man a mass of agony. Like unto his glorious body, what an expression. Even our flesh shall rest in hope of such a resurrection. John Eadie writes, he says, man has been made to dwell on earth and on no other planet. If he is to spend a happy eternity in a distant sphere, his physical frame must be prepared for it. If he is to see God and yet live, if he is to serve him in a world where there is no night and no sleep, to worship him in company with angels which have not the clog of an animal frame and like them to adore with continuous anthem and without exhaustion, then surely his body must be changed. For otherwise, it would soon be overpowered by such splendors and would die of ecstasy amidst such enjoyments. The glory of heaven would speedily become a delicious agony. Therefore, these bodies shall cease to be animal without ceasing to be human bodies, and they shall become spiritual bodies vehicles for the pure spirit which shall be lodged within them. This corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And so as we close this morning, I hope you can hold on to this. Some of of us need to be reminded. We we just get so fixated on the things of this earth. We forget what life is really about. We forget truly the, the greater narrative of life. This is not the end. And yet, even church, we spend so much time, again, about me and myself and I and my happiness, my wants, my desires. But church, we're citizens of heaven. This is not the end. And so you don't have to wait and you don't have to live your life for this, for the temporal things of this world. In fact, I had a kid this week. He called me, just was telling me some crazy stuff about what he wanted to do for the Lord. And he's like, I'm, you know, work doesn't like it, friends don't like it, family don't like it but i tell you church i loved it i thought it was awesome it was a little scary and it was a little unreasonable and it was a little ridiculous but i smelled i smelled the spirit of god all over it you know what i'm talking about like the spirit i mean he was dripping with god he's a citizen of heaven not living for the things of this world but living for something greater something better and there's always going to be a temptation to serve ourselves. I, I feel that every day. Every day when you wake up, it, it, just go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on any social media website, watch the news, watch a movie, watch music. It, music. it just, it just, it, it is this amazing sermon, this amazing message of do everything you can to, gratis, to satisfy the cravings of your flesh right food and sex and possessions everything anything day after day morning and night pleasure 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 me myself and i that is the message we hear right and some of us we run into that and we get stuck in that stream have you ever been there because all of us have because it is a powerful message it is a dangerous message and it's not just outside the church it is inside the church and I'm not going to go here to start judging other churches, but there is a spirit in church that is all about consumption, about me instead of me bringing glory to God. But church, we have a better way. We have a better way. We have a way of eternal life. We have a way of everlasting joy. But Paul is saying, he, I love Paul. He's like, watch out. Be on guard. Pay attention. Come close. Listen to me. All of us should have such a view on these things. So we got to be diligent in the Word. If you come to me and you're struggling, what is the first thing I ask you? I say, well, how's your Bible reading going? Not as a discipline, you know, to try to check off that you're a good little boy or a good little girl, but to actually just hear from God. To have a relationship, a real communing relationship interactive relationship with God. How is it going? Are you spending time with Him? you got to be in your Word. And then search out heroes of the faith. I give you permission this morning to search out heroes of the faith, whether it be the Apostle Paul or whether it be Peter or maybe it's someone in your life right now. Learn from them. Be teachable. Learn from them. Learn from their way of living. Let them remind you of what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Right? You're afraid to hang out with them because you know they might tell you the truth. Right? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Let them tell you the truth. Let them remind you. Let them teach you about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Let them teach you about gentleness and self-control. Let them teach you about serving and what it looks like to lay down your life for another person. And then, church, grow. I give you permission to grow. It's okay. I know change is scary. I know it's uncomfortable but you were created to become more like Jesus Christ. Once you were born again, you are now on a process every day of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And sometimes that process includes people around you. Give God permission to use those around you to help you grow. And I'm saying grow. I mean really grow. Like grow. Like be a little irresponsible and be a little unpredictable and be a little crazy. Grow and grow and grow. Church, I am so passionate about you growing in maturity and deepening your walk with the Lord. My heart is to see all of us living faith-filled lives where we are growing in the fruit of the Spirit. But the enemies of the cross that are outside of this of this church and the enemies of the cross that are inside of this church and the enemy of the cross that sometimes dwells in my heart, they are real. But remember, the enemy of the cross will always try to take away from you the life that God has called you to, right? You know what I'm talking about. The way is straight and narrow, but He tries to get you off course. He tries to get you off that narrow road that leads to eternal life. But right now, church, right now in this moment, and this is why I love church, because right now in this moment, we can declare as the house of God, as the living spiritual stones of the temple of God, we can declare right now, we are on guard. We're watching out for anything that is a spirit that is against the kingdom of God, anything that would attack us as citizens of heaven, anything that looks like we are consuming for ourselves, where our God is our bellies, any area, outside, inside, or within me, right now, in the, in the name of Jesus, right? We can just declare this as a church, right now, in the name of Jesus, whatever that is, be gone. Be powerless in the name of Jesus. Whatever would be creeping, whatever is creeping like a lion, ready to pounce, ready to devour, whatever that is, you are right now declared powerless in this place, in this church, in the name of Jesus. We are citizens of heaven. All of us should have a view of such things. And he says, if you don't have it right now, I hope that the Lord would reveal it to you so you can get there. So maybe this is an opportunity for you to take that next step. Let's run the race, church learn from the examples of others let's learn from the apostle paul i think one of the greatest obstacles in all of this is that each one of us has a spiritual giant or spiritual leader that we learned from that had a huge moral failing right who who did amazing things and then you saw what happened in the end i just heard about another one this week just terrible terrible And And when leaders walk into these kinds of things, it affects more than just one person or two people. It affects entire groups of people. But again, what I would say to you is, who were you serving? Was he an idol or a model? Right? Was he there for you to worship or for you to learn from? And Paul's very imperfect. He admits his imperfection. He says, I'm not even there yet. He talks about his struggles. He talks about his thorn in the flesh. But I can learn from Paul, not so that I can be Paul, but boy, do I want to be like Paul. Why? Because Paul is a lot like Jesus and I want to be like Jesus. So don't let those hurt. I mean, just think about it. Maybe you were putting that person in a place that they never were supposed to be. Maybe you had exalted them to a place of celebrity or fame that they were never supposed to have in your life, but instead let them be a model, let them be an example Because I bet you that person that had that moral failing, I bet you also learned a lot of good things from them. Some people that have done terrible things are some of the people that have had the greatest impact in my life. And the Lord has forgiven them and shown them grace just like the Lord has forgiven me and shown me grace. But we have to be careful because God's still not done with them, whoever that person is. God still loves them. But what we've done is now we've closed our hearts off learning from anyone else. Many of us struggle with spiritual authority. Many of us struggle with anyone that might teach us or might want to speak to we us. We don't want that you know. But Paul says, it's okay to imitate your leaders. I have some stories that are just brutal and you do, sick, evil stories. But I still know how God used those people in my life. And as I learned from them, I learned beautiful things. God used them in amazing ways. And so, who is that in your life right now? Let's just, Lord, and let's just pray, Lord, just reveal those people right now in our lives that might be able to teach us, may, might be able to grow us, Lord. And some of us were scared, scared to meet with that person because we know they're going to tell the truth. And Lord, just even now, Lord, just show us what that means to go to someone uh, who might actually tell us the truth. Lord, just begin to speak to us what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Lord, in our day, from when we wake up till we go to sleep, show us what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Lord, right now, some of our hearts, we're just far away from you. We are running a race that has nothing to do uh, with, with being in your kingdom. And Lord, we just ask as a church, as a collective, that we would repent right now. That there be a spirit of repentance in this place. Some of you, I, I, I know it's hard because it's really quiet in this room right now. But repentance, I think it's something that kind of has to happen out loud. And you just say, Lord, I repent of what I've done. Lord, I'm sorry. And and this isn't to be saved or try to stay saved. This is just for the condition of our hearts, that our hearts would be soft and open and and, and truly be available for God to use us in amazing, supernatural, miraculous ways. There's a hardening that happens when we walk in this world. Everyone in here knows this, that when we walk in the things of this world, a hardening to the, the Spirit of God, and to the voice of God happens. So God, right now we're saying, God, where it is hard, where it has been hardened, where it is dry, would you come in and break that ground right now in the name of Jesus? Break that ground. Just spiritually, Lord, that you would bring water. You'd bring a fresh water. You'd bring a well. You would bring a wind. You would bring everything that we would need for that ground to once again be healthy. Once again to be fertile. Once again to be a, a, a soil that where your spirit and your fruit could grow. Lord, just once again have that happen in our lives. Even now, Lord. Even now, Lord. In the area of just being citizens of heaven, God, would you remind us what that looks like when we wake up and we get out of bed? Because, Lord, when I get up in the morning, if I'm honest, I'm really feeling like a citizen of earth. And my body doesn't want to do anything but just stay there. But, Lord, what rises up as you remind us of who we are, our identity in Christ, something rises up within me, Lord. It's a love, it's a joy, it's a peace, and it is a sense of adventure that the Spirit of God is actually leading me into that day, Lord. Would you just pour out your Spirit in a beautiful and powerful way even now, Lord? A Spirit that would help us uh, on Monday morning, right now, Lord, just by the by, uh, right by, by your power, Lord, just right now, give us your Holy Spirit, and that your Spirit would be a powerful presence on Monday morning to get us out of bed, to do the things that you've called us to do, to live for eternal things, not for the things of this world. And Lord, for anyone that has yet to start this race, anyone who has yet to profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, yet to confess with their mouth that, Lord, You are their Lord and, and You are their Savior. If there's anyone in this room that wants to profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I would love to give you that opportunity. again, I think it kind of has to be a public thing where you just say it in front of others. That you say, you know what? I am a Christian. I, I am not living for the things of this world. I, I, I want to be born again. I want the old to become new. I want uh, to forget what is behind. I want to strain uh, toward what is ahead and what is in front of me. And, and if that's you this morning, if, if you want a new life in Christ, would you raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying with? And so, uh, so, so I know who I'm celebrating with. Anybody, if, if you want a new life in Christ, if you're ready to do a new thing, Alright, and then for the rest of us, if there's anyone here that just, uh, that this message is actually getting you excited. That you, you cannot wait to leave church because you are excited that you have been reminded by the Holy Spirit you are a citizen of heaven. If there's anyone in here that has just gotten quickened by the Spirit, excited by the Spirit, just you right now, you're ready to run that race because of the word that's been given today. Would you raise your hand? Because Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Me too. So, Lord, you see our hands. We are excited to run this race. We are excited to be a part of what you've called us to be a part of, Lord. But just remind us again, this world is pulling. There's just such a pull from this world, Lord, to just live for ourselves and to live for our own desires. But right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare our lives are now in your kingdom and our lives are now in your service and our lives are dedicated to bring you glory. The decree has been set. Life spring is a part of the kingdom of God. Life spring we have a citizenship. It's not of this earth but it's of heaven. It's an everlasting citizenship. And life spring is going to act like children of God. Ambassadors for Christ. Lord, we're going to mess it up. We're going to screw it up. But by Your grace, we will not quit. We will persevere and endure. And we will see Your glory. See Your glory one day reign on this earth. Jesus, You're coming back. You're coming back. You're coming back. As a citizen of Your kingship, Lord, we know that You, King Jesus, You're coming back. You're coming back. And we eagerly await Your return. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all God's people said, Amen.